Joyce Tapley, as a CEO of a multi-million dollar healthcare center, is a proven thought leader on matters of public health. We created this podcast because it's time for a real discussion about the state of healthcare in our nation. Welcome to a new episode of Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley. Welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley, and I am your host, Joyce Tapley. Our theme for today is understanding the value of connections and the power of making strong, consistent choices in life. We are so fortunate to continue to have extraordinary guests, people who are making a difference in the lives of others, in the way they live their lives externally to serve others. Today, we are in for another treat. Our in-studio guest is my friend, Dr. Cynthia Mickens-Ross. Dr. Mickens-Ross is the founder and CEO of Cynthia Mickens Ministry and senior pastor at Pathway to Life Center of Hope. She sits on many boards and has such a list of accomplishments, it would take the entire show to list them. So I'm going to list just a few. She serves on the Frost Bank Community Advisory Board. She is a member of the Dallas Regional Chamber Leadership Dallas Alumni Board. She is the founding chair of the City of DeSoto Arts Commission past chair and current member of the Best Southwest Partnership Health Committee, author of the Pathway to Purpose copyrighted course designed to coach men and women to discover and activate the greatness within. But in everything Dr. Mickens-Ross does on her remarkable journey, it is the way she is serving others that stands out. Dr. Mickens-Ross, or I'm going to call you Cynthia if that's okay with you, welcome to the Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley. How are you, my friend? (laughs) I'm doing absolutely wonderful because I'm here with you this afternoon, Joyce. And you know that you're one of my favorites. Um, I, I remember the day that I met you and our journey to make a difference in the lives of people. And so I'm honored to share this time with my friend, Joyce. It's, it is so amazing how God brings us together, I think. Yes. Because I remember when we first met, too, and mm-hmm. I just kept saying, dang, I'm going to get to know her. See, she's <laughs> wonderful. And I didn't realize just how wonderful you were. And I think that I'm going to find out a lot more about you than I thought I knew. <laughs> so from your journey as a teacher and coach, you know the realities of healthcare disparities among black people, the common chronic diseases such as diabetes, asthma, heart diseases, and even some cancers Mm -hmm. are cutting through our communities and we're getting sicker and dying earlier than others. According to any statistical measure reported, we are dying sooner. If you will, describe your healthcare journey and how it has influenced you to reach black men and women and empower them to make different choices regarding their own personal healthcare journey. Well, Joyce, I'll start out by making it personal. Um, I grew up in a home with uh, my brother, and my brother was born with sickle cell anemia. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't expected to live, but maybe till he was eight or nine back then. And he lived till he was 17 years old. And then uh, my mom died from an aneurysm, and uh, that was devastating to me. And we went to stay with my grandmother, who after several years died from diabetes, complication of uh, diabetes. And it just seemed like health was a serious, serious issue in my family. And as a very young girl, I didn't understand that, right? 
But I knew something was um, not right. And then my father in his mid-40s was diagnosed with diabetes. And um, he died very early as well. I think my dad was in his uh, late 50s when he died. How old uh, was your mother and your grandmother? So my mother was 29, and my grandmother was in her 50s. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always tell people I dealt with death at a very young age, and it was a constant thing in my life. And all of it was due to health issues. Yes. Um, and so um, I remember looking at my father and thinking to myself that um, I, I didn't want diabetes, you know, that, that I was going to do everything that I could um, to prevent that disease from happening to me. So I chose to eat healthy. I chose to exercise. But one of the things that I didn't realize was stress and how stress can really trigger other things. And so I was diagnosed with diabetes as a result of the stress in my life being a corporate executive. And that was when I really started looking at how can I make a difference in the lives of other people. So I went from uh, being a corporate executive, and I went straight into my own, and then I wind up in the healthcare industry. I wasn't really looking, I wasn't really planning. But once I got there, I was faced with a community that really needed education, mm-hmm. you know, a community that really needed to understand what resources are available to them, but they also needed people to just kind of hold their hands and show them to the way. So while I was with Methodist, I was able to really and truly take that passion of helping people mm-hmm. and applying it in the healthcare industry. So I connected with a lot of groups. I connected with communities, HOAs, and I was able to allow our hospital to really connect on a deeper level with our community to make sure that they not only understood what these diseases could do to your body, but Mm -hmm. the things that you could do to prevent them. You know, prevention is where I want to begin, and prevention starts with education. And so that is exactly what we did. We did a number of events, and you are part of some of those events around mental health, but, you know, through the hospital, we did things on cancer, diabetes, you know, uh, cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. And so we brought our community in free of charge, put our doctors on the platform and let them really and truly talk to our community about prevention, but also care should you have any of these diseases. And so what we did was something that I had not seen being done before. We went into the community and pulled them into the hospital for the purpose of educating them that I believe can make generational changes. That is, Did I answer your question? You answered it. But I'm <laughs> going to say that you. it actually caused me to think about when I was diagnosed with uh, 
diabetes, knowing that it ran in my family on my mother's side primarily. And I remember the doctor telling me, do you have any stress in your life? Mm -hmm. And at that time, I had, we had three girls, so our youngest. But I didn't think that I did because I always wake up feeling great mm. and glad I'm, glad I'm awake. Um, but when I started thinking about all of the things I had to do, because at that time I was still a leader mm -hmm. in a CEO position, that was very stressful. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. As much as I ate the right foods and did my exercising, I did not realize the connection. And I'm sure you have heard this statement before, but stress will kill you. Yes. And that's one of the ways that it does, yes. is that it triggers these diseases in our bodies, and then we don't deal with them as well as we should because a lot of us in our communities don't understand these diseases, and then we fear them. Which is a form yes, of stress. Yes, yes, yes. We fear them. Why, why don't women go get mammograms? Because they fear that somebody's going to say you have breast cancer, right. Right? right? Why don't men go in and get their prostate exams? Because they fear that what? Somebody's going to say you have prostate cancer. But if you don't, you will die. If you do, the earlier it's detected, the greater your chances are of survival. Yes, so true. again, in our communities and communities of color, we need to we need that education. But we need it kind of with a, a, a silver uh, bullet, you yes. know what I mean, or a satin hammer is yes. how I want to call it because, we, we're not comfortable with dealing with those things. And so for me, again, that love that we have to gently share with our community the need for them to get their exams, yes. their annual checkups, because the sooner, if something is detected, the sooner it is, the better your chances are of survival or kicking that situation. And the biggest fear, too, for us is having someone take care of us that really care about us. Oh, yeah. We don't have yeah. the trust that we need mm -hmm. when we're going to the doctor. And that's, that's fearful. That's exactly That causes right. fear. That's so exactly the right. more we can have people love each other and reach out to each other and help each other and honestly and genuinely, think that'll help us as a community as well. Yes. Not just telling me what I need to do or how I need to do it or how often. I need somebody to really convince yes. me that they care about right. me and my life. And, and there is this other saying, and that is, is that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah, and so when we start with care and love, then people can, what, hear us mm -hmm. and possibly believe that, yes, this is an option that I should consider. Yes. And so for, for me and for you, our passion is changing the lives of people. You know, we've got to get them off the path of destruction onto the path of prosperity, and that's prosperity in their health, in their mental state, yes, and in their physical state. Yes. And so anything that we can do um, to help facilitate that, we're all in because we believe that our community need the resources that we have. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Thank you.
So we're going to go to a break. You've been listening to Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley and our special guest, Dr. Cynthia Mickens-Ross. Don't go too far. We'll be right back after this short break. Inspire Art Dallas uses advocacy, fundraising, and public events to encourage the flourishing of the City of Dallas public art program and to enrich public art experiences for residents and visitors to the City of Dallas. I'm Kay Kalos, Public Art Program Manager for the City of Dallas Office of Arts and Culture. almost a teenager. I have a real problem. My daddy and my grandfather love pie. For my daddy, it's apple. For my poppy, it's anything lemon. But they won't bring me any pie. I don't think that's fair. They always go to Judy Pie on Main Street in Grapevine, where Miss Judy and her bakers make 20 different kinds of pies and cinnamon rolls on the weekend. But I don't get any. They tell me I can have pie when I'm a teenager, like pie is only for grown-ups or something. Can someone please call my daddy and my poppy and tell them I need pie? In the meantime, you can go to JudyPie.com, or if you're in Grapevine, Texas, visit Judy Pie on Main Street. And if my daddy or my poppy are there, tell them that Kaya wants a piece of pie. Welcome back to Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley. I am your host, Joyce Tapley, and I have my special guest, Dr. Cynthia Mickens-Ross. All right. I want our listeners to learn about you now. Let's talk about your personal journey. What led you to establish your ministry? Take us through that experience, please. <laughs> and you could take your time and, and start yeah. from wherever you want to start. Well, it's, it's definitely a long journey, and I will start by saying it's not what I planned for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I was a corporate executive at the top of my game, um, making more money than I ever thought I could make. You know, house on the hill, foreign cars, diamonds, you know, just a lot of stuff. Right. But I was so empty inside. I was void of passion and purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, there wasn't anything that you could give me as a goal that I wouldn't exceed it. And the reason was is I was trying to prove to myself and prove to other people how great I am. Mm -hmm. But that was because I didn't think I was great at all. And so it was just one thing after the next thing, after the next thing, without any peace that I had done something significant. And so when I heard from uh, the top executives where I was working that I had reached the glass ceiling, and that they didn't have anything else for me. And it was at the same time that I was going through a divorce. My only child was going off to college, Mm. and my father passed away, which was my rock, right? So I went on this journey uh, as I was grieving his loss, uh, uh, you know, as I was grieving his, 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 his death. I would go home to my house on the hill by myself, and I would eat carpet. 
I would lie on that white carpet and cry out to the Lord. And I would ask him, who am I? What is it that you want me to do with this life that you have given to me? And I had a 2 a.m. experience like I'd never had before. And I didn't hear an audible voice, but what I did hear was the spirit inside of me. And I heard, you're going to travel around the world speaking about the goodness of God, and you're going to have facilities for my people. And he said, I want you to share with them my love. And I was like, I'm going to have, what, facilities for who? And then I'm going to travel where? And I'm going to talk to who? None of this, none of this made any sense to me because it was totally opposite of what I was doing Mm -hmm. and it was totally opposite of what I thought I could do because I had a fear of public speaking. Even though I was at the top of my game, if you asked me to stand up in a room of three people and tell them my name and what I did, my knees would buckle. I would be trembling all over because I had such a fear of speaking. Mm -hmm. Well, I said, okay, I don't know where this is coming from. It's obviously got the wrong address because this is (laughs) not Cynthia. This is not what Cynthia is going to do with her life. But it was a process. I'll tell you, I kept hearing it and hearing it and hearing it over and over and over again. And then Joyce, other people started coming to me and saying things like, are you a speaker? Are you a pastor? And I would go, no, I'm not, right? <laughs> and it was like the, the world was speaking to Cynthia what I had heard that morning at 2 a.m. And after a series of events, Joyce, I started to embrace it. And I started to think about what could this really mean for my life? Mm-hmm. And with the confirmation of people around me, I, uh, I started writing what I was hearing. And after a few years, I um, developed this program, Pathway to Purpose, okay. 12 Weeks, Discovery of Purpose, Uh, Phase one, phase two, my life strategic plan. Now that I know what it is, how do I get there? And because 38% of our graduates went on to start their own nonprofit or for-profit businesses, and 18% of them are employed by their businesses full-time, I wrote Practical Tools to Starting Your Own Business. And that was really how I launched is I just started teaching this course. And then people started calling me to speak. And then before I know it, in 2008, God gave me two houses, a church, a multi-purpose building, and a little bit over two acres of vacant land. And I have to tell you, I didn't have any idea then that I would be where I am now providing free, safe, supportive housing for single mothers with young children, pastoring a church that is a Bible church 
we are reading the Bible, learning the Bible, and then living the Bible. Mm -hmm. I have a free summer learning and feeding program because, as you know, our children go hungry during the summer. Yes. Because school is closed, and that's typically where they get their food. Right. And so we provide them with three hot meals and a snack, and we provide them with all kind of learning opportunities, mm. including gardening, website development, coding, just a variety of things to expose our children in underserved communities with opportunities, that these are things that you could do if you decide to. And in addition, now we partner with North Texas Food Bank. We do a food giveaway. We do support learning for our children who have fallen behind due to virtual learning. And we are now, on tomorrow, launching a organic community garden and gathering space. Yes, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. I so, can't wait yeah. to hear more about it. So, so all of it took me believing that I could do what I was hearing inside of yeah. me. And there's so much in all of us, all of us, that we have no idea, Joyce, what's there. I can remember choosing my path based upon what I saw other people doing. Yes, and I decided, right. okay, well, she's doing that and she's successful doing that. Well, I can do that uh -huh. too, right? right? So we take on all of these things that are not our true identity. Yeah. But once we really take the opportunity to discover who we really are, we will connect with other people, and they will help us as we help them. Yes. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. There's no way that I could be where I am today doing the work that I'm doing without people coming alongside of me to help me fulfill the vision that God had given to me. And that's what I believe community is, is that connectivity, is making the right choices that align with your purpose, not yes. what you see everybody else doing, right. but making choices that align with the vision that you have for your life. And all of us have been called to do something that's going to make a difference in the lives of other people. This life that we have been given is not about ourselves. Yes. It's about helping other people. It's about being a servant. It's about being a, a world changer. And it's about you lending yourself to make a difference in other people's lives. Unbelievable. Wonderful. I, I didn't know half of that about you. As much as I've done a lot <laughs> with you, <laughs> it's always something new. I, but the theme is still community. Mm -hmm. It's community. Mm -hmm. It's the village, yes. raising yes. villages, yes. raising people. Yes. I, that's, that is just phenomenal. So I've got a few more questions for you. Sure. And thank you very sure. much for sharing that. That is sure. just unbelievable. I, I can't even mm -hmm. understand how I can have a friend for this long period of time and didn't know half of what you just told me. But I'm glad <laughs> I know now. Well, this was the time. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. So one of the skills that you talk about is about a personal and relevant connection with others. I know that many leaders and executives struggle with that. What are three simple points or pointers that you can offer those in leadership positions that will help them make relevant connections to others? 
Well, you know, I think that uh, we talk a lot about leadership and everyone uh, has their own thoughts about leadership. But for me, a couple of things that stand out is, and that I wish that I um, had um, received when I was in my early state of leadership, and that is... um, empowerment. Um, I often say we don't hire people to do a job that we don't think they can't do, right? Correct. We hire people for a job that we believe that they can do the job, right? Right. So, but a lot of times people find that they want to um, micromanage people mm-hmm. or they want to stand over people and yes. control people. I don't believe in that at all. I believe that if you hire someone to do the job, give them the freedom to do the job. Give them the tools that they need to do the job yes. and give them grace when they mess up. Oh, yes. Because let me tell you something. I have fallen on my face in a big way in my corporate jobs, okay? But those were my learning opportunities. And if I had not fallen on my face, I wouldn't know what I know today. So I think that we need to give people grace um, because when we don't, then people are hesitant to try again. Yes. And if you want the best people, allow them just as many opportunities to fall on their face as you allow them to stand on the mountaintop. Because all of those experiences bring priceless value to a person's growth and development. Mm -hmm. So as a leader, I will stand back and allow you to make decisions, and some of those decisions are going to be great, and some of those decisions are not going to be so great. But both of those decisions are necessary for your personal growth and development. And as a leader, I want to allow you the opportunities to grow. Yes, authority, autonomy, and every once in a while, some errors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I believe the same thing. Yes, absolutely, because when I was managing uh, funeral homes and cemeteries, I can remember that when I... Wait, wait, excuse me, wait a minute, (laughs) wait wait a minute. Funeral homes and and cemeteries? cemeteries, Yes. I, I, I did that too. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I want to make this point, and we can come back to that if <laughs> okay. you want to. But when I would leave at the end of the day, we were a 24-7 operation, right? Because you don't close funeral homes down, right? Okay. I didn't know So, that. I mean, now today they do, but back in the day when I was doing it, they didn't. But when I would leave, I would say to my staff, my night staff, this is your funeral home. Don't call me. There you go. You make the decisions. And if there's a decision that comes up that we didn't make the right decision, we'll talk about it and figure out how not to do that again. But tonight, this is your funeral home, okay? And you make the decisions and 
do not call me unless it's burning to the ground. And that's the way I lead. I love it. Is I want you to know that you have ownership here and that I trust you to do the job that I'm asking you to do. And if I don't trust you to do it, I shouldn't have you in that position. That is correct. That makes so much sense. That's Those are excellent points. Excellent points. Thank you very much for sharing that. Funeral homes. <laughs> Whew, I didn't know about that one. Well, this was great conversation. And you offered great solutions and great ideas on how we can contribute to community. Mm -hmm. Before I close, I want to give you the microphone. And is, if there is anything else you'd like to say that we may or may not have talked about or discussed, I'd sure like for you to take the mic and, and have at it. It's all yours. So you mentioned that it is Women's History Month. Yes. And so focusing on that, um, who are we as women, you know? Um, we, God made us, designed us where we could carry life inside of us. And I believe that he wanted us not to just carry that life, but to nurture that life. Yes. And to make sure that that life is developed into what he wants it to be. That is a representation of who he is. So when we as women look at each other, let's see what God created. Mm -hmm. I see still so much division between women. Yeah. I see that, you know, women are still jealous of each right. other and women still speak negativity over each mm -hmm. other. I think in order for us to be the best that we can be is something I said to a group of women just a few nights ago. I said, I need you in my life, and I want you in my life. But I want us to come together and be different than some of the things that we see other women do. I'm not into how pretty I look. I'm into how pretty I feel and how pretty I make you feel. And if we can do that for each other, I'm into how can I help Joyce fulfill the dreams and visions that she has for her life? Mm -hmm. How can I open a door for you to do something that you have been dreaming about doing and I have access to that? Right. How can right. I open that door for you? How can I show you how to be a better wife to your husband? Mm -hmm. How can I show you how to be a good friend to the women that are around you? How can I pour things into you that is going to be life-changing? I don't want you to ever look at me and say, Cynthia has something that I need that she won't give to me. Mm -hmm. I want you to look at me and see that Cynthia is a woman that I can go to and she'll give me whatever she has. If we do that for each other, we can change the world. That is true. Because women, you only need two or three. That's right. You hear me? If you look two. around in history, some of the major changes that happened in history only took a couple of women. Yeah, that is true. If we can focus on the right things, we would change this world that we live in. 
And I don't subscribe to any philosophers, but there's one out there say, be the change that you want. And I would say that to women in closing, be the change that you want. Fulfill the needs that other women have. Be a vessel that God can work through to what? Bring a change yeah. in the lives of other people. So in closing, I thank you, Joy, so much for this opportunity. Oh, it's a Friday, but it's a Friday well spent, and I could not have spent it any better than with you. Well, I am honored that you are on the show, and I really appreciate what you just said. I've got something for you. I just want the listeners to know that my friend, the phenomenal Dr. Cynthia Mickens-Ross, is a woman making history. She is a speaker, an author, a coach, a teacher, a mother, a devoted wife and woman of God. And if you ever have a chance to meet her in person or see her, you will see that she is captivating, motivating, relatable, courageous. I love you, my friend. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for the blessings you have shared with me and our listeners on this show. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley and our very, very special guest, Dr. Cynthia Mickens-Ross. You will hear from me soon. Thank you. And that concludes another installment of Healthcare Chat. For all upcoming and previous episodes, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hit the subscribe button and you will always be notified when a new podcast is published. Until next time, thank you again for listening to Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley.